Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible class. We're podcasting a Bible study every Wednesday evening for those who cannot be with us in person, but still want to be in God's Word. We know that even some in the Omaha area cannot be with us in person when the congregation meets each Wednesday evening at 6.30 for our midweek Bible classes, but they do want to be in God's Word. They want to study. Maybe they've got scheduling conflicts of one kind or another. Maybe they have some physical handicaps of one kind or another. Whatever the case, we're glad that you want to be in God's Word. We're glad that you want to study and learn more about the true teachings that He has communicated to us through the Scriptures. And we're thankful that He has blessed us with the opportunity and the ability and the means to be able to teach His Word on this widespread basis of the Internet and by means of these podcasts. Now, if you're in the Omaha area, we encourage you to come and be with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Bible classes begin on Sunday mornings at 9.30, followed by worship at 10.30. Sunday evenings, we come back together at 6 o'clock for another period of worship and Bible study. Wednesday evenings, as we said, 6.30 each Wednesday evening, we set aside our busy schedules and come back together for midweek Bible classes. You're welcome to any and all of these services. Come and check us out in person. Many have done that over the past years, and many have stayed on with us. And we're thankful for that, but we give God the glory, bottom line. Now, the church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street, 3606 North 108th Street, right here in Omaha. Tell others about the services. Tell others about these podcasts. In fact, share these studies with everybody you can. You can do that through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means. But you know people in your life who need to get into God's Word, probably some within your own family. Help them to do that by sharing these studies with them. Family members, friends, work associates, neighbors, literally with everybody you can. You may help somebody turn their life around and come to God through Jesus Christ. You may help somebody get to heaven. That'll be a great blessing for them, certainly but it will also be a great blessing for you. Also tell everybody to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. It's free. It always will be free. And tell them to scroll down and click on our podcast button and sign up for our podcasting. It is easy. takes about one minute, maybe a minute and a half, if you're a little bit slower like me, (laughs) but uh, it's free. It always will be free. We keep emphasizing we're not after people's wallets. We want to help as many people as we can get to heaven. And when somebody signs up for our podcasting, they will automatically receive our Wednesday night Bible class, our Sunday morning Bible class, all of our sermons, and a daily radio program Monday through Friday called Search the Scriptures. But they'll also receive a a seven-day-a-week short Bible study, about 13 minutes each day, easy to fit into our busy schedules, but it keeps us in God's Word every day, and we call that today's Bible class. And again, it is free and always will be free. So tell everybody you can and encourage them to take advantage of these study opportunities from God's Word. We're going to finish up our study today from 1 John. I know I've been saying that we're going to get at least close to that uh, over the last few weeks, but again, John's first, first inspired letter, guided by God through the Holy Spirit to write what he wrote, 1 John, is just full 
of teaching and encouragement and instruction and guidance for the individual Christian, how we, how we should live our lives, how God wants us to live our lives before him as his followers through Jesus Christ. Now, this last verse in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 21, last time when we were together, I said I wanted to focus on this particular verse at this time as we bring this particular part of our series of studies. We've gone through a number of the New Testament books, a number of the letters from Paul, James, Peter, and now John, gone through a whole bunch of those over the last few years. Well, here in verse 21, as as John brings this particular letter to a close, he says, little children, now again, little children, he's talking to members of the Lord's church. He's talking to those who have already become Christians, already been baptized into Christ, Galatians 3 and verse 27, and Romans 6 and verse 3, so that their sins could be forgiven through the blood that Jesus shed on that cross, Acts 22 and verse 16. They have been born again. As Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5, a person must do in order to be able to enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, John says, little children, my fellow Christians, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. It's interesting that he closes this letter, and he has talked about the difference between walking in the light of God's truth and his word, the light of righteousness as a Christian, a true Christian, faithful and dedicated to God on a consistent basis, living by his teachings. He's talked about all of that. He's talked about love between brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's interesting that he closes this letter by instructing, admonishing the Christians, keep yourselves from idols. That might seem strange to us today as we read it as believers in God and followers of God, but in a whole lot of the world today, there are huge populations that are still worshiping through idols. In fact, even within the realm of Christianity, and I use that term in a, in a loose sense, in quotes, there are a whole lot of people in a major, major denomination, and probably more than one, that worship through idols. Now, they would probably say, at least some of them, well, no, no, that's not true. We just pray through those idols. When you bow down and you're praying to that idol, you're in direct violation of Scripture. Keep yourselves from idols. I wonder if God gave John, as he wrote that last verse of this first inspired letter by John, I wonder if God gave John at that moment a brief glimpse of what would be in the future. Again, we were talking about a huge population, or rather a huge denomination that calls themselves Christians who have idols all over their church building, and a great many of the members have idols in their homes or images of one kind or another, icons, and they pray to those idols, to those icons, to those images, bow down before them, and so on. John says, keep yourselves from idols. Well, 
What is an idol? In the purest sense, we're talking about carvings and statues and images. And when John wrote this in that day, the population of the world, by and large, worshipped idols. That is the known world at that time, and probably much of the unknown world at that time that had not yet been discovered by explorers. Worshipped idols. They had carvings and statues and images, and they bowed down to them, and they thought of them as being images of gods, lowercase g, and, and they thought they represented or were themselves deity. And so they worshipped them, they prayed to them, they worshipped idols. Most of the population of the world at that time, the known world, did not know God, did not know about God. They, they, the deities as, as they understood them were idols, images, carvings, statues. Over and over again in the Old Testament scriptures, and again, here we find John bringing this out. It's also in the New Testament scriptures, pointedly, but in the Old Testament scriptures over and over again, God through Moses and then through other prophets were warning his people, the Israelites, to stay away from idols, to stay away from idolatry, the worship of idols. In fact, when you look at the very beginning, virtually, of the first of the original Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, you look at verse 3, and it says, you shall have no other gods before me. Now, God is giving this command to his people, the Israelites, through Moses. You shall have no other gods, lowercase g, before me. And then he goes on and explains, you shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them, serve them, for, or, nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who, who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. Now, you shall not make any carved images. You shall not make any likenesses of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall have no other gods before me. God tells Moses, write this down, or God is writing it down on the, the original Ten Commandments. Now, you communicate this to the people, to the Israelites, when we look at the 23rd verse, the 23rd verse in this same Exodus chapter 20, we read this, you shall not make anything to be with me, gods of silver or gods of gold, you shall not make for yourselves. Again, re-emphasis, do not make any statues, no images, no carvings of any likeness of anything that you're going to look at in some way as being deity. You don't worship them. You don't bow down to them. No, not at all. Not at all. I want us to turn to the 34th chapter of, of, of uh, Exodus, Exodus chapter 24, and, uh, or chapter, chapter 34, I'm sorry, and verse 17. And here we read, very direct, 
you shall make no molded gods for yourselves. So again, the firm, direct commandment to stay out of the worship of idols, to stay out of idolatry, and that would be the term for it. Now, this particular instruction in one frame of reference or another is throughout the Old Testament, and it is also in the New Testament. I want us to look a little bit further. Let's go to Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 4, and we're going to begin reading with verse 15. Deuteronomy chapter 4, beginning with verse 15. Take careful heed to yourselves, for you saw no form when the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the midst of the fire, lest you act corruptly and make for yourself a carved image in the form of any figure, the likeness of male or female, the likeness of any animal that is on the earth, or the likeness of any winged bird that flies in the air, the likeness of anything that creeps on the ground, or the likeness of any fish that is in the water beneath the sea. Now notice, going back to verse 15, take careful heed to yourselves, for you saw no form when the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the midst of the fire. God did not present himself in any kind of form to the observable form as that that would be his likeness, his true likeness, before the people of Israel, ever. And he says, don't make don't make for yourself any form that you're going to look then upon. And even if you're thinking of that form as representing me, don't do it. But don't certainly don't make any carved image, no animal, no fish, no bird, nothing, nothing. He goes on in verse 18 or verse 19, and he says, and take heed lest you lift your eyes to heaven And when you see the sun, the moon, and the stars, all the host of heaven, you feel driven to worship them and serve them, which the Lord your God has given to all the people under the whole heaven as a heritage. He says, look, you don't don't make any carved image, any graven image, any manufactured image, whether it's a totem pole or just some kind of molded or carved or shaped some kind of manufactured image of anything, and then you worship it as a god. So you don't do that. And you don't look up at the constellations in the heavens, that is the skies and the universe and so on, the stars, the moon, the planets, the sun. You don't look up to them and worship them either. We are in a strange time in our nation and in our culture right now. People will talk about looking at a bird and thinking, well, and somehow that is, that is somewhere on the, the plane or, or on, on an equivalent realm of, of deity. And they'll kind of look at that bird in a worshipful way. And I'm not, I'm not exaggerating here. Well, somebody who does that has a real problem with their true belief in God. But nothing compares to God. There is no God other than God. The one true God. In fact, in Deuteronomy, we read, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. 
There is no other God. And so God is trying to get this across to his people going all the way back before he even led them into the promised land, after he led them out of Egypt, after they had grown into a mighty nation numerically while living within the borders of Egypt. He says, look, I'm God. You don't have any other God before me. And you don't make any image of anything that you look upon as deity. You don't pray to it. You don't kneel down before it. You don't worship it. No, not at all. Nothing. We look at Deuteronomy also, chapter 27. Chapter 27, and uh, I want us to look at verse 15 there. Deuteronomy chapter 27 and verse 15. And here, once, we, once again, we read, Cursed is the one who makes a carved or molded image an abomination to the Lord, the work of the hands of the craftsman, and sets it up in secret. And all the people shall answer and say, Amen. You stop and think about when we're talking about idols, images, statues, icons, they're all manufactured by some person. And then that person puts them in some kind of supposed special place, maybe up on a pedestal, maybe hanging on a wall or from a ceiling or in you know, something. And then after they have manufactured that image, then they drop down on their knees and they start praying to it. Now, does that make any sense? That person just made that image, and now he's looking at it as a god. He created it, but he's looking at it now as the creator? Absolute, absolute. I think we could understand it to be, at least to a degree, blasphemy of the true God. Blasphemy of the true God. Now, let's turn to, also to... um, Jeremiah chapter 25, and look at verse 6 here. Jeremiah 25 and verse 6. And here, Jeremiah the prophet, and of course, this is God's word through Jeremiah. He says, do not go after other gods to serve them and worship them, and do not provoke me to anger with the works of your hands, and I will not harm you interesting again but it's very direct command very direct instruction stay away from idols stay away from the practice of idolatry we look at romans chapter 1 romans chapter 1 verse 23 well let me go back to verse 22 now let me go back even a little before that verse 20 so Paul is writing, and again, remember that in this time, the population of the world, virtually all of the population, worshipped idols. They did not believe in God, did not know about God to a great extent. So verse 20 of Romans chapter 1, now we're in the New Testament. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. That is God's invisible attributes being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because although they knew God, 
They did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their heart to dishonor their bodies among themselves. Now, the pure practice of idolatry, people who do not believe in God, they believe in idols. When you go back into the history, you know, ancient history, and you look upon humanity at that time, they worshiped idols, mostly, predominantly. And all kinds of immorality and ungodliness went there with went along with that particular religious, supposed religious practice, including prostitution in the name of the god or goddesses or that, they were, that they were worshiping, supposedly. When you take God out of the picture, darkness prevails. Immorality quickly prevails. When you take God out of the picture, the devil automatically moves in. And so over and over and over again, the scriptures, and we could had a whole, uh, add a whole lot of overs and overs in there, the scriptures continually instruct humanity, stay away from the worship of idols. Do not bow down to, do not worship, do not... Pray to, or even pray through, statues, images, carvings, representations of whatever it might be, even some supposed human human figure, because that is in direct violation to the continued scriptures commands from God to stay away from idols. So. We come back to 1 John, and the very last verse of the very last chapter, John says, little children, keep yourselves yourselves from idols. When the Apostle Paul, on one of his missionary journeys, he was in the city of Athens, which at that time was a center of culture and also uh, intelligence, the intellectuals, supposedly, would meet there and they would talk about what new thing they had heard about or learned or thought up in their own head. Intellectual prowess they would have seen this Athens to be the center of. And so the Apostle Paul was there. And history again says that within the city of Athens, there were numerous numerous images or altars that were set up to all kinds of different idols. Supposedly, every one that they had ever become aware of, they made an altar to that, to that supposed god, to lowercase g, to that idol. And there was even one that was identified as to the unknown god, 
and that was an altar that was supposed to cover the bases in case there was a god out there, again, an idol, lowercase g for God, that they had not become aware of. They wanted to make sure they were covering their bases, so they set up one altar to the unknown God. The Apostle Paul says, that's the one I want to talk to you about. I want to teach you about the unknown God, the God that you don't know. But of course, he was talking about the true God, the one true God. And he began to teach them the gospel of Christ. Well, that's the way it was then. Now, how would this instruction from John, little children, keep yourselves from idols, how would it apply to us in a different way today? Now, we, now absolutely, as it applied then, no carvings, no statues, no images that we somehow look at as deity or somehow worship or kneel before, pray to, pray through, whatever. No, that's all. That's, that's pure idolatry to a great extent. But there's another form of idolatry that I've called modern-day idolatry. And that's where a whole lot of people, a whole lot of people, and a whole lot of people who would call themselves at least nominal Christians today, they have idols in their lives. They're not images and statues, but they're, they're different things that they have, become, they have become dedicated to and that have pushed God out of the forefront of their mind. You might say, what are you talking about? Some people, it's a job. They become so wrapped up in their job that God is pushed into second or third or fourth or fifth place, or maybe not even in their mind at all. For other people, it may be some kind of recreational pursuit. Maybe they're all caught up in golf, or maybe they're all caught up in, in, in football or basketball or just sports in general. And they can't be at church services when there's some big game on TV or maybe when there's some big game that they want to attend. And so God gets pushed out of the forefront of their mind. With others, it's money. How much they can accumulate. It's always, that's forefront in their mind, the driving force in their lives, making more money, accumulating more money, buying more things with what their money can buy presenting an image before others around them, making themselves feel fulfilled by having the expensive stuff, the big houses, the fancy cars, the expensive shoes and clothing, and on and on and on. And those can all become, all of these things can become idols in the lives of individuals if they push God out of first place in their lives. Remember what Jesus said? If you love father or mother more than me, you're not worthy of me. If you love son or daughter more than me, you're not worthy of me. He did not say don't love mother or father or son or daughter. He, said, he just said, I have to come first. God has to be number one in our lives. And when people start finding excuses to put something else in first place, you're going to be at worship service this Sunday morning? Well, no, I'm, 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 I'm going to a football game. I know there's, there's something else. I want. We're having some people over for barbecue, and I've got to get ready for that. 
What about Sunday night? Give me their Sunday. Well, no, there's something really good coming on TV I want to watch. You see, we've got all kinds of modern-day idols. In some cases, it's relationships. They will be directly disobedient to God in order to satisfy some partner in their relationship. Modern-day idolatries. The point that Jesus, or that John is making here in verse 21 of 1 John chapter 5, the last verse in this letter is to Christians. Now, also in the broader application to anybody, he says, keep yourselves from idols. So whatever might become that main focus of dedication in your life and putting God out of first place in your life, John says, and of course this is God again, guiding John to write his very word, stay away from those matters, from those things. Don't let anyone or anything come before God in your dedication in your life. And God's not looking just for lip service. God is looking for a lifestyle that demonstrates your true, steadfast devotion to him above all else. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Let's pray. Father, help us to put you first in our lives, to live our lives for you through Jesus Christ. Help us to not let anything push you out of first place in our lives, Father. And help us to always beware of the devil trying to, even in subtle ways, wedge in something else in our minds in our lives, ahead of you. Please forgive us, gracious Father, and hear our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.